Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Just to recap, before I get into what I believe the Lord has laid upon my heart as, as, a, as a shepherd, as somebody in this, uh, in, in this body that is responsible to feed the flock of God, I just want to encourage you with what I said last Wednesday. If you did not get that teaching, I encourage you to go back on, on our group or on the Facebook the website, whatever it is, the NDCC, not the closed group page, but the regular page, and get the message. I talked about abiding. I talked about not striving, but abiding in him. And I will just real quickly recap Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 from the Passion Translation. This is our big brother Jesus talking. The Bible calls him the eldest brother, so I kind of call him the big brother Jesus. He says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. And remember in every other portion in scripture, he said, come follow me. But this is the invitation to come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And we know that the way that we do that, you go into John 15 and you learn to abide within him because it becomes effortless as you're abiding within him, you're just producing. It is by default, you're not trying, you're not striving. There is a rest, there is an abiding and anything outside of that is striving, works, legalism, trying to please God uh, due to the teaching here, I think most of us believe that we cannot be saved by works. We know that it is by grace, that it is by faith, that we're justified by the works of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross. So typically, if you talk to somebody, they would not say that that I am saved by works. We understand we're saved by grace and faith through Jesus Christ. We could not save ourselves. He saved us. But when you really dig in the heart and mind of Christians, a lot of times you think you got to work really hard to please him and to be accepted by him. And yet we have here in Matthew 11, this beautiful invitation from Jesus. He says, hey, come to me and learn my ways. I'm easy to please. Now that would set many of you free if you got the revelation. He's not as hard to please as you are. How many of you, you struggle with just even pleasing yourself. You could have done that better. You could have this, you could have that, you could have this, you could have that. That is not the heart of Jesus. That's why he says, hey, learn my ways. Get out of your self-reliance. Learn how to abide in me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So therefore, he's not saying there's not a yoke. He just said, look, I've looked at my yoke and I've looked at your yoke. I like my yoke and I think you'll like it better because my yoke is a whole lot easier than your yoke. I don't place those kind of unrealistic, perfectionistic demands. I invite you to come into fellowship with me all through redemption. Amen. Does that encourage you? So I I would go after that word. See, I can feed you, but it is your responsibility to dig into it and say, she said a couple things that I know are not really built into my spirit. I got to go after that truth. 
See, a revelation brings a revolution. And typically it also brings a new set of friends, but we're not going there tonight. Amen? You know, if you hang around chickens all the time, you get the revelation you're really an eagle. Good old gust of wind's going to come by. You're going to be like, I'm flying this coop, bless God. Forget about this little bug in the ground, this little worm. I'm going to soar the heavens and dive into a to a river and grab some fish, all right? It's a completely different thing, but revelation brings a revolution, but if you never dig it out, you're going to eat, you're going to be sustained, but I'm telling you, there's something greater in him when you dig out and you mine out your own revelation. Pay attention to when your spirit leaps on the inside of you. When there's people I'm around and they speak in such a way that something is energized and comes alive in me, I go and I find out why. Okay, what is it by the language they're using that is igniting something in my spirit so that because it unlocks a mystery that I can go deeper into God and experience not only revelation but a revolution which brings tremendous eternal change to my life. Amen. So I just want to encourage you in that. So Sunday, as pastor was preaching, and even a little before that, uh, you would have to be like a serious ostrich to not understand that we are living in uncertain times, that, uh, that everything around us almost overnight was flipped upside down, and you cannot plan anything. In fact, if you're someone like me, and you live by a day timer, you just uh, you look and look and look. Everything's blank other than people's birthdays in your family. You cannot plan because we cannot see beyond the day that we are in, which it reminds me of what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, each day is sufficient, has enough trouble in that day, all right? Don't go and get all out ahead of God, but live in the day you're in. So we find ourselves living in the present day because we cannot see tomorrow. And this was causing a lot of uncertainty and various things to come up in people, but I kept hearing in my spirit, having done all Stand therefore in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And we are living in a very evil day. I believe that we're living in a time when the whole earth is being shaken, not just America, but the nations of the earth, and that there is a great dividing that is coming to fulfill Malachi's prophecy that said you will once again be able to discern between the righteous and the evil, between the wicked and those that do good and those that do not. And I believe not only in the world is this taking place, but I believe it is also taking place in the church world. See, God wants a spotless bride. He wants a church that is no longer interested in being massaged, that is no longer interested in a, in a feel good, tell me about me, a secular message that is wrapped up with some kingdom principles. But God is looking for a church that is a repentant church, that is a praying church, that is a church that longs for revival, that is a church that will stand and intercede and will not be afraid of the evil day because they do not look, engage their life in their walk with what is going on on the outside, but they gauge their walk with the word of God and what they're hearing from the throne room because their talking points come from the throne room and not their favorite cable news station. I don't know where we're going tonight, but bless God, we're going. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So having done all to stand. So we're going to be in Ephesians 6. If there's something that really grabs a hold of me and my passion, it is when the enemy is loosed. 
It is when the enemy is loosed and when I look around, even at modern day Christianity, and please do not misunderstand my heart or my focus, I am not a critic of the body of Christ. I've given my life to the body of Christ. I've given the best and the strongest years of my life to birth into pioneer a, a move of God and a church. I believe in the body of Christ. I love the bride of Christ. I love when people come and they get born again and they're born into the family of God. I absolutely love the church of Jesus Christ and the bride of Christ with all of my heart. But when I look around, it is astounding. And I believe it is even why our nation is in the condition that it's in. Because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's not a day, there's not a page you can turn in the gospels. Uh, You cannot read it without realizing that every day that Jesus woke up, that he encountered the enemy intentionally and on purpose. He knew the reason by which he came. Even as John expounds further in first John, he said that Jesus was met manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. The whole reason that Jesus came to the earth was not to ignore the devil, was not to look the other way, not to pretend like he didn't exist, not to coexist, not to make negotiations, but he came to expel the devil and every evil demonic work. And then we have an admonition from the apostle Paul, hey, that in the evil day, don't run away, don't be cowardice, don't be fearful, but in the evil day having done all stand stand therefore how are you going to stand with your feet shod with the preparation of God's peace to fight and to be a warrior from a position of peace knowing that he is the one that is able to come into any storm and say peace be still he's the one that's able to give you peace in the middle of a war that it doesn't matter if it looks like the enemy is winning you can abide in him and you can say in the evil day I'm going to stand I'm going to stand my ground the enemy's not going to back me up I'm not going to bow I'm not going to cower but I'm going to stand just like Shama in the Old Testament he stood in the middle of a lentil field he stood in the middle of that bean field he just got sick and tired of running from the Philistines he got tired of running from the enemies of God's people and he said you know I know what it looks like to run but what would it look like to stand and to defend a plot of land and you see the might and the power and the glory of God in heaven's host come and turn that battle because a man decided to stand and not be fearful of the fight and run and back up We have this passivity in Christianity. We have this mediocrity that we have settled for, that we want to get up each and every day, and we kind of want to tiptoe, and we don't want to disrupt the enemy. But I'm saying, what would happen if the bride of Jesus Christ would realize, yes, she's glorious, but under there, there are some combat boots that she wears. Under there, there's a sword of the Spirit strapped. Under that beautiful, spotless robe of righteousness, what would happen if the church of Jesus Christ actually begin to get up every day on purpose and intentionally begin to engage darkness, begin to engage evil, begin to engage with the might and the authority and the anointing of God and know what she's about in her identity and not that we have to coexist and make everybody feel sweet and special. Is is this okay with you tonight, sweetheart? Gag. 
We wonder why people are addicted and bound and they're confused even in their sexual identity. Why they go to drugs and alcohol and depression. Why they don't want to get up in the morning and put their, put their head back under the covers and pull the covers over. We wonder why people are not looking to the church and knocking on the door because it is a church that has become powerless for decades. Because God forbid, God forbid we actually get up in the morning and we say, Father, I thank you that I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I thank you that you send me to war, but you've given me armor that is foolproof. That you send me in places that wherever I walk, I have shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That I can walk where angels fear to tread because you go with me. That I can go into the valley, I can go on the mountaintop. Surely goodness and mercy, the angels of God follow me all the days of my life. That even in the midst of my enemy you prepare a table before me and I can eat without taking antacids sometimes when the devil's just warring I sit there and I eat you know what I intentionally do because I cannot stand this in the natural I smack my lips and I chomp I'm like Ooh, this is good devil I'm eating and I'm not anxious I'm not full of anxiety why Because I already heard what God told me, that the battle is the Lord's, that I only need to stand still and position myself. For these enemies you see today, you shall see no more forever. But what does the enemy do? He kind of talks us into going out and fighting naked. We leave our armor at home. And I'm going to get into this armor, and I'm going to help you remember what your wardrobe is supposed to look like as a warrior in the kingdom of God. First of all, it starts with the belt of truth. You know that you cannot be a liar and walk victorious? How can you defeat the father of all lies when you tell a lie? He said to gird your loins with truth. Why your loins? This is the productive area. Reproductive area, right? You know, when you father a lie, it continues to produce and produce and produce. Oh, man, she was preaching good. You know that God is nothing but truth. You know that he cannot bless a lie or add himself to a lie. For God cannot lie. Titus 1, 2, for God who cannot lie. In him is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We're content to live with the level of deception, and we wonder why we get deceived. That's just the belt. You know that all other armor, every, every other piece of the armor that is listed, it all starts with the belt. Your loins gird with truth. You know, you can't speak lies to yourself and expect to have a victorious life. You know, you can't get involved in a bunch of fear and expect your faith to work. Don't you know what's going on in the world? Don't you know what's going on in the kingdom? In the name of Jesus, healing, miracles, signs, wonders, demonic bondages, fortresses destroyed. Jesus got up every day and he intentionally confronted the devil. And we want to live every day ignoring him and his works as long as he stays off of our plot of land. He doesn't do it. He's a squatter. 
John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anytime where there's destruction, anytime where there's stealing, anytime where there's murder, theft, all of that stuff, those are friends of hell. That is not anything to do with the kingdom. And when you see people bow to that, yeah, but you don't understand, no, 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 no. No, who's got your ear? See, as a, as a pastor, you're likened to a shepherd and people are likened to sheep. And understand that is not a condescending thing. Jesus used the analogy, I'm also a sheep, all right? I also have a shepherd. When you study this out and you do an extensive study about the shepherd and the sheep, you know, sheep sometimes, they get bugs and gnats in their ears and and it drives them crazy because the buzzing is so loud on the inside. They literally will go insane. The shepherd has to go and grab them and put oil in their ear to try to get that thing out. Some of you got the enemy buzzing in your ear and you won't get around your shepherd to get some oil in. And you wonder why you're going crazy and you wonder why, why some people, why are some people just kind of cruising through this? I'm telling you that as your pastors were anointed to walk the flock of God through this season, you can call it what you want, COVID-19, race riots. I call it every belching demon of hell knowing their time is short, just manifesting in the earth with all of its evil. And I believe that the world is begging and hoping that the church, somebody in the church would stay up that the bride of Christ would arise and say the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you I'm not going the way of the world I'm not going the way of fear I'm going the way of faith I'm going the way of the word and I take the sword of the Lord and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with the anointing of deliverance I cut asunder every demonic force and I dismantle it and I destroy it because Jesus said all power and authority I give unto you it is all responsible to stop living with the devil in our lives, in our homes, in our children, in our jobs, in our society, and in our world. Church, rise up and stop being a chicken. Jesus' name. You ready to see this in the word? You're seeing the word in me. It's a sword. It's coming out to break all that garbage. First, I'm going to read it from you, or read it to you, rather, in the uh, New American Standard. I never know what kind of Bible I have. (laughs) I read it in so many different versions because I've read it for 46 years, and my mind will see a familiar scripture, and it will just go. And if I'm not careful, my spirit or my heart will not meditate it, so... If you ever want to play a fun game, play What Will Pastor Teresa Preach Out Of Tonight? And if you get it right five times in a row, I'll take you out for steak when we open again. It says in Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Wow, this really indicates choice, doesn't it? You know, you can choose to be strong or you can choose to be weak. But the choice is yours. I'm going to share something with you that's very liberating. You know that it is God's kindness to you. When God gives you opportunity to make a choice. Say, I don't have to do anything. Oh, that was so weak. Say, I don't. They're like, why do you I don't have to do anything? I don't have to say what you said. All right, you know, humor me. Say, I don't have to do anything. anything. Isn't that completely liberating? 
I love that. See, I hate to be controlled. In fact, I'm going to just give you a little bit of a, a, a excellent teaching from Derek Prince. Anytime somebody is trying to intimidate you, manipulate you, control or dominate you, it is always, say it out loud, those that know, witchcraft. Does anybody here like to be controlled? Anybody here like to be manipulated? Do you like to be intimidated? Do you like to be dominated? None of us like it, right? All right, now we got to be fair. Have you ever manipulated? Yes. Have you ever controlled? Yes. Have you ever dominated? Yes. Have you ever... Did I say intimidated? Yes. We all have. Now, we hate it, but we like the power trip when we do it. It all needs repentant of because it's all witchcraft. See, the greatest thing in the kindness of God is when he presents you with choice. And he does present you with a choice right here and a command. But it is your choice to obey or not. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I love that because I would be like so embarrassed to stand before you and say, finally, be weak in the Lord and in the weakness of his might. No such thing. We know that the weakness of God was stronger than all the plan and strategy of hell that had they known they would not have crucified the king of glory. So this indicates choice. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I believe in the days ahead and in the day and age in which we live, you're going to have to make a decision and a choice. How are you going to navigate it? Are you going to be somebody of strength or are you going to be somebody of weakness? If you like a life of comfort and ease, you will not be strong in the Lord because it is with great effort that we cooperate with the Lord. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Schemes is also, a word for that is wiles, which means mind games. You know how the devil wreaks havoc in your mind? He says that unless you put on the full armor of God, your mind is no match for the enemy. He will come and he will take your mind. He will cause you to forget things. He will cause you to believe things. He will build fortresses. You cannot afford to allow the enemy to go undetected and to allow him to have permits in your life to build structures and fortresses of belief. But guess who issues the permits? I married a construction guy. Nothing better than blue jeans and work boots and right, right. Any, any, right? I like that. I know a little bit about building permits. You know, you have to go down, you got to put your well-laid plans in, you got to do all this stuff, and basically you take it to the powers that be, and they uh, want your money, and they stamp it, and you get a permit, and you put it in your window, and you're allowed to do the work. You are permitted. You know that the enemy builds a lot of structures, but he cannot build anything. You're not going to like this. I know I, I don't like it either. You know, he can't build anything in your life without your permission, right? I'm going to say it again. You know he can't build anything in your life without your permission, right? You stamp the permit. What I say tonight is stop issuing the permits. Stop letting him build on your land. And oh, when you find him because he is a squatter and you know you didn't permit it, 
you got all the authority to go in there and uproot that stuff and throw it off of your land. You don't have to take the generational curses. You don't have to take the demonic bondages and the addictions and all the things that he built into your flesh through rejection and woundedness. And you don't have to live in oppression and depression. There is a way all the way out of that mess. Jesus does not halfway save. He does not halfway deliver. He is a God of process. But I'm telling you, if you allow him to process... You can obey your way out of any mess in Jesus' name. May not happen overnight, but you know, I I love it. You know, you pastor. People come in, they get saved. You start teaching some principles in the word, principles that are tried and true, that if they would just obey the principles, they would succeed alone just by virtue of the principles. Then they come back in three weeks, three months. Some people make it six months before their first official complaint. I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've been praying in the spirit. I've been worshiping. I've been confessing the word. And uh, it's not working. I'm like, well, how old are you, gun smoke? Well, I'm 53. So you mean to tell me, like, that's a raw deal. I see what you mean. You mean after six months, 50 years of just the devil building hell in your life is not gone? What in the world? Let's all just go become Mormons. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said. I don't have a lot of people that hang out in my office very often. I mean, I try. I don't even know why I got that degree, but all right. Because I deal better with demons, not patterns. I know how to break patterns, though, in Jesus' name. I've broken a lot of my life, and when I see one, I, I continue to break it. See, none of us are finished here. We're all being processed. We just want to skip the process. We like to cheat, right, when it comes to the process. But there are no shortcuts for character. Where you cheat and where you took a shortcut, it will show up at the most inopportune time. And it will leave you in a place that you wish you were not. All right, so let's look at Scripture, lest you think that I blame everything on the devil. (laughs) The devil and the flesh and the world, those are your three battlefields. For our struggle is against your (laughs) mother-in-law. Our struggle is against your husband, your wife, your spouse, your children, your bloodline. Nope, nope, what's it say? For our struggle is not against all of those people I just named. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The Revised Standard Version says it's against principalities, powers, world rulers of this present darkness. What you're seeing manifesting in the earth right now is the principality of the world ruler. It's actually an order system. Principalities are the highest. There's ranking and division. The devil's kingdom is very organized. And when you begin to try to bring kingdom to or order to the kingdom of God, people say, oh, no, you're controlling. (laughs) The devil didn't come up with the order. He copies the kingdom order because he is not a creator. There's nothing original about him. He is a master copycat. So you have principalities, you have powers, and you have world rulers of this present darkness, and then you have spiritual hosts of wickedness 
in heavenly places. This is the battleground. They're invisible enemies. They are definitely personalities, or as Derek Prince calls them, they are persons without a body. Disembodied spirits is another way that I could say that to help you to understand whatever I got to do to wake you up and to let you realize that you have an invisible enemy and you may not be able to visibly see him, though some can see in the spirit and they do see in that realm of the unseen world, which is more real than this world, I might add. You can certainly see that his works are visible. And Jesus came on the scene and it said that he was manifested, that he would destroy the works of the devil. See, Satan's work, this is his kingdom, this is the war, the war machine of Satan with all of these principalities and powers, wicked rulers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And we want to act like that he's not doing a work and we just want to ignore him when we've actually been empowered by Jesus who completely defeated him and then turned around and gave us all power and authority. Another words, he authorized us to use the power of his name to drive demons out rather than cohabitate and negotiate with them and to ignore that they're destroying your marriage. They're wreaking havoc in your mind. They're putting your emotions on a roller coaster ride. They're hitting over and over the insecurity, the orphan spirit, the abandonment, and the fear that drives you out of God's presence and into torment rather than taking the journey and saying, wait, the word says... And first, John, that perfect love casts out fear. And I'm sick of being fearful and I'm sick of being tormented. If I have to crawl up in Father God's lap the rest of my life and learn how to receive perfect love until that torment and that fear is cast out, then that's what I'll dedicate my life to doing. Fear does not work in the kingdom of God. And rather than deny you have fear and act like you're amusing wisdom. I am operating in wisdom. Now you're operating in self-deception. You are far better off to say, Father God, I'm coming to your presence in the name of Jesus and by his blood. I am totally flipping, freaking out right now. I am scared to death. Help me. You're better off to cop to your condition than to lie about it before God. He sees it anyway. And you're better off to say, what else do I lie to myself about? And you wonder why you have a hard time hanging out with the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. You know why he's a comforter? He's going to afflict you with the truth. And then he will comfort you. How are you liking this spinach tonight? I'm going to massage in a second. Now, to cast that demon, then you go, there, there now. (laughs) See, the problem is we tolerate devils. What you tolerate will dominate. So your struggle is not against people. And I'm going to tell you this, and if you have ears to hear, you're going to be liberated with my next statement. Unless you are an alien... Your struggle is not with yourself. You're flesh and blood. Your struggle is with Satan's war machine, those invisible spirits 
Some people have birth assignments. Some people have generational curses. They've not appropriated the Galatians principle, curses anyone who hangs on a tree. And therefore, they've never appropriated Calvary's cross to the curse, and they have never recognized it. Well, Pastor Teresa, if Jesus did it, he did it. Well, Sally, George, and Sue, if I deposited a million dollars into your bank account and you never withdrew from it, you had it all there. You just were ignorant of it. Therefore, you were never blessed by it. You must appropriate what the cross has done in your life to get the blessing to flow. Just as there's generational curses, there's generational blessing. Just because your family had curses doesn't mean you throw the whole, beggar, the whole line of beggars out. That's what you came from. It's what you came through. Get your binoculars back out. Not like Karen across the street, but get your spiritual binoculars back out and look down that generational line and ask God to help you discern what the generational blessing is. And then say, woo, I'm going to go back and I'm going to redeem some of this. I'm going to redeem some of that. You look at all your other relatives. They don't have the revelation yet, but you get all that generational blessing to begin to operate and flow in your life. They'll come around. See, God wants to provoke people to jealousy. That's why he made Israel. That's why he made a people out of no people. He said, I will provoke the nations to jealousy. And then when They did not receive him as Messiah. He turned around. He blesses the Gentiles with salvation so rich and free. He said, I'm going to provoke my children to jealousy. Why? So the Jews will look and see that Jesus is Messiah, and they will look at the relationship that we have with Yahweh, with Jehovah, with Yeshua HaMashiach, and it will provoke them to jealousy, and they will return, and they will see their Messiah. So I'm like, God, provoke them to jealousy. Because the blessing and the goodness of God that runs down my life. Not so that I can boast. Let no man boast in their flesh, but make your boast in the Lord. How did you get what you get? It's all the grace of God. Let me tell you about it. He can come in. He can set you free. He can deliver you. He can give you power. And he will authorize you to use that power in the name of Jesus to drive demons out of your life, out of your marriage, out of your home, out of your finances. How's the devil in my finances? You ever heard of poverty spirits, poverty powers, poverty mindsets? That's not you. And don't you hate when you have financial problems and you go and you seek help and somebody says, well, here's a budget. You're like, well, no, no, Sherlock, I figured that out. I know I have more going out than coming in. It's not math. It's like what Pastor Dave always says. Money doesn't solve money problems. Because when you got a poverty spirit that has attacked you, You just think you're no good with money. But the day you wake up and say, hey, hey, there's something loose in my life. And you begin to do some Holy Ghost research. And then you get in the word and go, wait, you mean I'm I'm, I'm a king's kid now and I don't have to be poor? Does not mean you're going to have a gold doorknob going into your bathroom. I just fundamentally do not believe that's true. But it does mean all your needs will be met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It does mean that you can have surplus and you can have enough to give to every good work. It does mean that you can help. It does mean that you can be one that is a provider and one that is a blessing. See, your problem isn't even you. I don't know about you, but does that relieve you? Now do you see how much time we have wasted? If we could only get back all that money on those self-help books. How to be a better you. 
Don't you like that? New year, new you. How have you liked the new year so far? (laughs) I personally like what it's producing. Because I pastor people. I know there have been more people in the last 13 weeks that have been faithful to that daily devotional than you would have ever been had there been no COVID. I know people that sign up to get into a prayer meeting. There is, on average, 40 people on Tuesday night praying. And there's probably more in the home because if one person's there, their spouse is there. So there's 40-plus people on Tuesday night when it's pretty much been Mary Beth and I and a few people for years. I see what God's doing in the midst of it all. He's teaching us and training us that we better dig a well, that we better know how to drink. We better know how to sit by the well and let Jesus give us a drink. He's teaching us that we can't do anything in this season to please him, but to abide. Do I like the season? No. Do I forget to wear a mask? Yes. Do I have to walk back to the car and try not to roll my eyes? Yes. Today I had to go somewhere with him. I'm like, we live together. He had to go first, then I had to go first. When she came and said something, my flesh wanted to say something smart. Did you hear him? He just said, oh, me too. But then I heard him in there witnessing and saying he's a pastor. I'm like, oh, bless God. Thank you, Lord. I didn't say what I wanted to say. I was going to say, we sleep together. Why, Why can't we walk in together? If we've got it, we've got it. Yo, know, I understand, you know, I pastor a church. I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor right now. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't say something smart. I don't like this season. But I will say I like what he's producing. I wouldn't have chosen it this way. I would have chose he produced the things he's producing to me right now while I'm laying on the beach. He had another plan. That's why he is Lord of us, and we are not Lord of ourselves. Are you like me? Would you always choose comfortable Christ-likeness, or is it just me? Coasting versus climbing. Anybody ever notice that prayer is work? Come on, let's pray. (laughs) Hi-ho, hi-ho. Off to work we go. But man, when you break through the heavens, that invisible force of that, the heavens, and woo, you're soaring in the throne room, and you're slaying demons. You're like, oh my gosh, I feel sorry for you if you don't pray. Because you're doing warfare from a different vantage point. You're heaven down to earth. You're using authority. You're exerting dominion. And all those principalities and powers and, and spiritual wickedness and the rulers, you're not intimidated. Because why? Jesus is fighting and you're fighting with him. He's not fighting with you. This is therefore... Because of all of these invisible enemies, you have yet to discern. The yet to discern part was me, in case you were wondering. I'm in verse 13. Thank you, Jim. Therefore, take up the full 
armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Not if an evil day happens, but in a pre-appointed evil day, folks. We're living some of that now. And I don't mean to bum you out, but just the very beginning. You got to get your armor on. You got to stop fighting naked, naked and running out of the house. Not dressed. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. You ever have those seasons you've prophesied, you've prayed, you've confessed, you've declared, you've decreed, you've fasted, you've worshipped, you've given alms, you've done everything you know to do, and nothing moves and nothing changes? The answer I have for you is this, this scripture right here, then stand, stand therefore. And then he says, not only stand therefore, but stand firm. See, if I'm standing, right, I'm standing. You know, I'm just kind of like, if you come up here, you can push me. I'm on, I'm on the back of my heels. I'm going to go back. But he says, in the evil day, stand. Stand therefore. And then he says, stand firm. In other words, take a stance. That I may not be able to do anything right now. Nothing appears to be moving. But the one thing I will not do is I will not relax in my posture. But I will take an aggressive, authoritative stance in the mighty name of Jesus. And I will stand firm and I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I will stand firm. In other words, I'm not going to listen to the lies when, when you can almost feel the breath of demons. There were so many times in the, in the battle, even for our, our, our home, this, as, as New Destiny Christian Center, even for this campus, and everything leading up to it, people would say, I don't understand, I don't understand. I just always say, Jesus always wins. I don't understand either. But all I know is you stand in faith. You wait upon the Lord. You minister to him. You wait upon him. It doesn't mean you're passive about it. It's like back in the days, like when we used to be able to go to a restaurant. Do you all remember that? A waiter would come. How may I help you? And they would wait on you. That is what that scripture means with waiting on the Lord. When you're standing firm, you're waiting on the Lord and you will not be moved off of what he told you. I believe so many people are talked out of their blessing and they're moved off of it because the thing about God is everything is timing and location. Why do you think he wants to get you to move so bad? I believe that so many times... I know even in my own life, to my own sorrow, I I admit this and say that, that in my early days especially, I was moved off of something because of my emotions. Anybody beside me just had a a good pity party pout? Because God didn't do me. Anybody besides me? Okay. I am in the right church. When he tries to move me off of something so much, I'm like, why do you want to move me? Ooh, you must have seen something left the throne room. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I'm not going to just sit there and be moved. Why? Because you get adept to warfare. You also learn how to read the enemy, too. See, we are much too passive. We take far too much. What about 
being really aggressive and going on the offense. Anticipate. All right. Why is there opposition? See, when I see opposition, whether it's a person's life or something that I'm believing for, I'm like, hmm. I would put a spiritual host of wickedness in that category because it's the lowest ranking. I'd say, hmm, what's that spiritual host of wickedness? What's that little giant trying to hide? See, we want to act like we're great warriors and we got a slingshot, but we have yet to even have a testimony about how grabbing the lion by the beard and killing him, much less the bear. We want to, like all King David, you know, "Ah, I slayed the giant. Wait, where's your testimony of the lion who goes about roaring, seeking whom he may devour? Where's the Holy Ghost taxidermy hanging out on your life? I don't see a lion yet. I don't see a bear yet, and we want to go take on spiritual giants that move up in ranking? The greatest thing you can do is to discern where you're at and then abide and grow from there rather than thinking that you have greater victories than you do, and then when a real trial shows up, you're embarrassed by the little growth and lack of character that you can't produce. Then you get embarrassed, then you get ashamed, then you disconnect and you withdraw and you isolate. If you don't know how to defeat something, you know what you do about it? You get around somebody that does. And they typically aren't real cute and all polished up. Like when I get to heaven, I always have this vision because I've had a vision several times of and in my prayer room, I even have a couple of these photos of Joan of Arc armor, right? Which would make sense of my armor to be consistent with my gender, all right? I don't want King Saul's armor. I want chick armor, all right? Fits better. But I don't want to see my husband in chick armor, all right? That would not work. But when I get to heaven, I hope to God that thing is beat up. Like, if it's shiny, I'm going to be, like, so embarrassed. I want that thing to be beat up. I want it to be wrecked. I want there to be double guts and dried blood on it. I don't want to be like, I'm here, Jesus. And everyone's like, Then you have somebody coming and bringing the can of the Holy Spirit, the oil. So we've got to take up the full armor of God so that you'll even be able to resist in the evil day. I'm still on verse 13. And having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Remember what I said about the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The truth of who you really are is that you're righteous and you got to go into God and get that revelation of what the blood did for you. That you're right before God the Father because as Romans 5, 1 says, Jesus made peace between you and God the Father. You're a son and daughter, no longer an orphan. I can preach it. I can say it until I'm blue in the face. But until you go and mine out the revelation that you are righteous because of the blood of Jesus, then it's going to be words and it's not necessarily going to be language that connects your heart and your spirit to the heart of Father. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
This gospel is a gospel of peace. It makes peace between God and men. Men were enemies of God before this gospel reached them. We get to be peacemakers. We get to bring the gospel in the midst of such wicked terrain where there's demonic, invisible forces trying to keep the gospel from people. We are charged to bring this gospel of peace. It's a life of adventure. It's an epic tale. That's why you need the armor. Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So not only is there an evil day appointed, but he's giving you armor. You don't have a shield for a photo op. You have a shield because there's little evil things who have fought mankind for we know at least 6,000 years. They're going to be shooting intentionally at you, and they are awesome archers. They don't miss. But if you're in the presence... What's the word say? For he is my shield and my buckler that even when he tells me to go this direction and one of those imps shoot an arrow, Holy Spirit's like, whoa, with that shield. Because he's my refuge. He's my shield. He's my buckler. I'm going this way. I don't have a rear guard other than God himself. I go forward. The kingdom advances. If you're not standing still, you are advancing. You do not hear the Lord say retreat. And if you're hearing him say retreat, you got one of those little bugs in your ear. Driving you crazy, making you believe a lie, and making you think God's forsaken you. Your God is not weak. You may be weak, but he is not weak. I may be weak, but he is not weak. When I am weak, then he is strong. Be strong, the Lord, and the power of his might is how this whole thing starts. I've always hated noise pollution like that in Jesus' name. I think hell will be full of that loud sound. For those of you watching at home, it was a loud muffler. I'm going to describe it as maybe a 20-year-old male. I'm just kidding. (laughs) My son at one time. It says in verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You've got to have the helmet on. That you're saved. You think right. You do right. And you've got to have this word on the inside of you. To where when you don't have it, when you don't have a phone in your hand, you can't read it. It's in you. You've inclined your heart to his word and it comes out of you. See, when you have the word in you, you've always got a sword on you. You're always carrying Verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And I believe that means Acts chapter 2, pray in the Spirit kind of prayer. Though when you pray in the understanding, you should also be praying in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, what? Everything that we just went over. Be on the alert with all perseverance. And petition for the saints. And then the apostle goes on. He's in bonds. He's in prison because he's preached the gospel. And what's he say? Oh, and by the way, when you're praying for all the saints and you're doing all this stuff, would you throw in a prayer for me that I might be able to utter the gospel with boldness and preach how I need to preach? And if you ever watch the insanity of God, how these men are beaten over and over, I'm like, 
the great mighty apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the Bible, was he asking them to pray for him that utterance would be given to him that the right speech and, and he would be able to bring and wrap around the feelings and this unction on the inside, bring it to language that he could preach it with boldness while they're beating him, while they're torturing him for his faith. Who knows, but I kind of think prisoners weren't treated well. Now, in closing, I'm going to read it to you from the message translation because this is so, so good. Is this helping you tonight? Don't be condemned. Don't be indicted, but say, oh, my goodness. I have made some negotiations. I've made some deals with the enemy, and I'm going to go rip it up in Jesus' name. And you do all this by abiding. You do all of this by coming and taking on the yoke of Jesus and learning his ways. So the message translation entitles this, A Fight to the Finish. And if there's anything I want to be in life, it's to finish, to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Get over all your stumbling and learn how to fight the right way, saints. And let's finish this fight of faith. Starts in verse 10. And that about wraps it up. God is strong. And he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no athletic, no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. I love the way he wraps it up nicely. Come on, saints, we've got this. This is not the time to falter. When a spirit of deception is being loosed in the earth, when a couple things have to happen before even the return of Christ, the man of lawlessness must be revealed, and there is a great apostasy or a falling away from faith. Those are just two things waiting on all this. This is not the time to play with your soul and to be lax in your faith. Amen? But it is a time to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.